Welcome to episode 20 of China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. Investors around the world have paid close attention to China's recent claim that it's achieved its fastest annual economic growth on record. According to the official data, in the first three months of 2021, China reached a truly remarkable growth rate of more than 18%. I was surprised because although life in China has clearly largely returned to normal, the rest of the world is still struggling through a slump caused by the pandemic. So I'm very pleased today that we're joined on our podcast by an expert who's known for taking a detached and analytical approach when analysing China and its economy. Tommy Wu is the lead economist at Oxford Economics. Tommy covers macroeconomic research and forecasting for the Asia-Pacific region, and he specialises in China and Hong Kong. Tommy, welcome to China in Context. It's great that you can join us today from Hong Kong. Well, thank you, Duncan. Now, before we get on to the recent economic figures, can we talk more generally about how you use the data that comes from China? Because when I discuss China's economy with experts, I'm often told I should be a bit cautious because the data can be confusing or even misleading. So how do you look at the numbers? Just to start, I will still look at the official figures first, because that's probably a proper benchmark uh, for anything. Um, now, I think usually the official numbers in nominal terms are relatively uh, safe or safer to use. Um, the problem is when it comes to uh, real terms. So for, for economists uh, like myself, we would like to not just look at things in you know, dollar terms or in value terms, but uh, what's important is in real terms uh, when, you, when it comes to thinking about um, uh, GDP, for instance, uh, we always talk about GDP growth, which is actually a real growth uh, in terms of volumes and you know, uh, without the, the price effects. Now, um, when it comes to economic turning points, um, Oftentimes, China's real data—it's a—it's 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 a problem. So that's why I would look into alternative data or more disaggregated data, such as uh, commodity prices or you know import prices for China to construct my own price indexes, and then combine it with say the nominal data to get the uh, real data uh, for for China. Hmm. Very interesting. So it's almost like drawing a composite picture of China. So let's look at these figures which had so much attention at the start of 2021. China declared a first quarter growth of 18%. Now that's a remarkable figure, which understandably gained a lot of headlines. Can you tell us how you see that number as an economist? Talk us through really a bit about what's happening to China's economy, please. Yeah, the the 18% growth, as you said, it was remarkable uh, in year-on-year terms. But um, there are a few things. One is um, because it's a year-on-year growth. So it's actually benchmarking against a very low base from last year, uh, last year's first quarter. 
when China was first hit by the coronavirus outbreak. What this actually means is um, China has indeed uh, had a strong recovery from the pandemic. Okay, this is what the 18% is telling us. But what's not, what it's not telling us is how it's the growth momentum is doing. Um, so, so China is on the recovery path, but is it telling us that uh, the first quarter growth was actually uh, you know, very healthy or is it uh, the case that you know, there are some uh, setbacks? So addressing this year's meeting of the National People's Congress in March, the, the Premier, Li Keqiang, announced that China's growth target for 2021 should be above 6%. Now, that sounds very achievable uh, if we've got an, an, a high growth rate in the first quarter of the year. But I'd like to know your view on that target. Do you think this is too conservative? Why is the government setting a, a, a growth target of about 6%? It is actually very conservative, as you said. Um, so at Oxford Economics, we are forecasting 8.9% of growth this year, actually, coming back from a 2.3% growth last year. And I think the consensus now on the street is 8.5% uh, or so. So the 6%, the above 6% target is really unambitious. Um, now, I, I think why that is the case is the policymakers actually want to like give uh, more leeway to, in terms of room for uh, clamping down on uh, financial leverage because by uh, clamping down on leverage or actually wanting credit growth to slow down in China, that would uh, definitely affect the growth momentum in China. So by saying that, you know, that by, by having some target that is easy to, to be met, then it, it will allow that room for, uh, for policymaking. So it sounds uh, as though what you're saying is that they're worried about debt. If they have too fast economic growth, then they're worried that people will be borrowing more and that could have an adverse effect on Chinese society. Yes, actually, this is a continuation of the campaign since 2017. Property developers and also local governments have been you know, ramping up credit uh, for quite a while, and then the policymakers are actually worried about over leverage, and that would have long-term financial consequence. Uh, for instance, if something uh, goes bad, it could, you know, it, it could easily lead to something abrupt, like a financial crisis, and that's something that they want to avoid, and that's why they want to clamp down on leverage. Well, I think I can understand their, their caution in, in mm -hmm. that case. We know that one of the government's other goals is to try to encourage consumers to spend more, particularly Chinese consumers within China on Chinese made and branded goods. Uh, but it seems as though the renewed concerns about the coronavirus, anxiety about the economy, they're making people a bit cautious about their spending. Am I right in thinking that they're now more inclined to save their money rather than to go shopping? I think that's what we have seen, at least in the first quarter. And that's why previously I've mentioned that uh, retail sales or consumption in general uh, had contracted. And what we've seen is actually uh, savings rate uh, had gone up in, in the first quarter. And, it, you know, and, and this is actually 
um, something that uh, could be a downside risk to, to China's growth this year, because if people are not uh, willing to spend, then you know, maybe there, there's still a lot of COVID caution. I think China's approach is more about, first of all, boosting income growth, boosting jobs, that is actually very well related to the uh, 14th five-year plan. Because if you look at the plan, it talks about uh, you know, self-reliance on of technology and a lot of it is domestically focused, but it's mostly domestically focused on, you know, on the economy, on job creations, on, on household income. I think earlier on, you mentioned this concept of COVID caution. We see that all over the world. What are you expecting to see in terms of the vaccination drive in China during 2021? How do you see the vaccination situation affecting the economy? I think for China, um, vaccination, uh, relatively speaking, uh, may not matter as much comparing to other countries because of so far uh, what we have seen on the success of containing COVID in, in China. And uh, domestically, people's, you know, basically travel, uh, whether it's uh, travel by air or travel by train, etc. These numbers have uh, basically back to pre-pandemic level, even though spending per person has actually dropped. You know, if more people get vaccinated and the earlier that China can get to some level or some form of herd immunity, then I think uh, people will get even more comfortable in coming out to, to spend. Uh, so that should benefit consumption. Uh, but I think more importantly is if China is lagging behind in terms of uh, uh, inoculating the population, um, there will be an immunity gap uh, between China and the rest of the world, especially with the developed world. And that will also hinder uh, China's recovery uh, because it's you know un, un, unable to open its border earlier than 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 maybe other countries uh, can do. So this podcast is called China in Context. Can you help us please put these numbers into context for us? How does the performance of China's economy and its struggle with coronavirus? compare to other countries in the region and indeed around the world? So China is uh, the first country, first major country that uh, came out of the, the COVID crisis. Um, of course, it's still a, a risk, a major risk. But because of China's uh, you know, rapid recovery from uh, the first outbreak uh, in, in, in the first quarter of 2020, um, it allows China to you know, accelerate growth uh, through 2020 and into 2021. So uh, I've talked about some uh, setbacks in, in the first quarter of this year because of a renewed wave of COVID uh, in, in, in January, February of this year. But then uh, since March onwards, we have seen that uh, industrial production, uh, consumption, and also real investment activities have been picking up uh, strongly again. And also exports have been doing extremely well in, in China. So I would say that uh, maybe, even though maybe later this year, the demand for 
PPE or you know laptops and computers uh, would probably be uh, slowly declining uh, once you know the uh, the COVID situation gets contained when uh, vaccination is being rolled out more widely globally, uh, the demand for these products from China will decrease. But then overall, I would say that China's uh, role in the supply chains probably hasn't really diminished. So that would support China's exports and also economic growth uh, for, for the rest of this year. Well, thank you, Tommy. That was Tommy Wu from Oxford Economics in Hong Kong. You can find out more about the activities of the SOAS China Institute, including courses and research and so on. It's all on our website. The website address is SOAS, that's S-O-A-S dot A-C dot U-K. Alternatively, you can type SOAS China Institute into a search engine and it should come up straight away. But until next time, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team.